The Old Testament reading for this Laetare, this Rejoice Sunday in Lent, is from Isaiah chapter 64, beginning verse 4. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle is recorded in James chapter 2, beginning verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbors as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 19, beginning the 16th verse. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? the man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. 
Here ends the Holy Gospel. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. And our text is the Gospel reading we heard earlier from Matthew chapter 19. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, in Mark's account of this same event, and also in Luke, we're told that the young man comes up to Jesus running. In the ancient world, people didn't do running unless they were just overjoyed with something. Remember the story of the prodigal son, the sinful boy who went away, and his father looked for him each day, and when he saw his wayward son coming back home, the father ran out to meet him, embraced him, kissed him, assured him he was part of the family, and that he was forgiven. This young man is running up to Jesus very joyful, not because he knows he's forgiven, but he wants to make sure he hasn't left anything out in his process of saving himself. He is very joyful, but for the wrong reasons. I don't want any of us to be like this young man anytime, let alone in Lent. You should never say to yourself, Oh, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that I'm not like other men, murderers, thieves. Oh, that sounds like another parable that Jesus tells about the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee rejoiced, too, that he was such a good guy. Don't do that. If there's somebody in your neighborhood that doesn't keep things up, who doesn't pick up the dog poop when they go walk on the dog, if they don't take care of their property, if their kids are yelling and screaming, don't say to yourself, oh God, I think I'm not like those yahoos. Don't do that. If you do, you're following in the footsteps of this young man. His question, what good thing, and it means just one more thing, must I do to get eternal life? Literally, the other accounts tell us to inherit eternal life. How many of you have ever inherited anything? Okay. So, how did you get the inheritance? Yeah, I know the person died, but don't go there. How come they put you in, in their will? Because you're a good guy? That's right, given. My brother and I got an inheritance once from infamous Uncle Tex. St. James people know about Uncle Tex stories. Well, my brother and I weren't too far behind when we were little. And in spite of the fact that we were a couple of hellions, Uncle Tex, in his mercy, gave my brother and I a little inheritance. That was amazing. Because we were family. That's why he gave it. Not because we were such good kids, which we were not. One more thing, Jesus. I don't want to forget one more thing. I don't want to miss it just by one percentage point. But Jesus right away points him in a different direction. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? Mark's account tells us that he further, further adds, there's only one who is good, that is God. 
If you want to have and enter eternal life, Jesus then gives him exactly what he wants to hear. Obey the commandments. And it means all the time. It's a present tense verb. From the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep at night, obey the commandments. However, I can tell you from personal experiences that every so often I will wake up in the middle of the night with the most god-awful dream, and I'm doing the most god-awful things. How's that? You go, Pastor, that's my old nature coming through. I'm not going to tell you what I've been doing in my dreams. That would be terrible. So be imaginative. How's that? Obey the commandments. Now, this is a complication. According to the Jewish notion of things, the rabbis tallied up all the commandments, what to do and not to do, beginning from Genesis all the way through. And they found that there were 616 commandments that applied to everyone. That's why the young man is saying, which ones? It's hard to keep that straight. Jesus gives a rather unusual answer, but it probably tells us where this young man is in his spiritual life. Jesus starts quoting the second table of the law. Don't murder, don't do adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony. By the way, to do any of those could have your property all taken from you if you're a thief. Or if you're guilty of murder, adultery, or false testimony, you could die. And then Jesus says, honor your father and mother, which seems out of order. And then finally throws in Leviticus 19, verse 18. Hmm, love your neighbor as yourself. Why does Jesus quote these commandments in this order? Could it be that this is where he has a few problems, maybe more than a few? I think that's the case. By the way, isn't it pretty easy to love God? He's pretty friendly, takes care of you, never does anything wrong. But people, ugh, people. I've got some relatives out in Montana, out in the middle of nowhere, and they are living out there because they can't stand other people. They're a big pain. We went to visit a cousin Ned one year when I was 10 years old. His sister in Billings, Montana, had to drive out and tell him that we were coming. And his sister said, I better do this for you because if you just come out there unannounced, He'll get out his shotguns. You get the idea, Uncle Cousin Ned didn't like people. But notice, honor father and mother. Shouldn't that have come first? But it doesn't. It comes after these things where most people would, would say, oh, I've never done in any of those things. Have you murdered anybody? Probably not. Are you committing adultery? Probably not, although you're not going to say. Do you steal on a regular basis? Do you give false testimony in court? 
Most people would say today, I don't do any of those things. That's not a problem for me. But do you honor father and mother? When you get a little older in school, uh, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, perk up your ears. Have you ever thought that mom and dad's way of doing things or their rules are kind of stupid, unfair, mean? I did when I was that age. Honor father and mother not because they're perfect, but because God has placed them over you for your benefit. You're wise if you listen to them and honor them by doing whatever they say to you. Same is true for teachers. Do you always honor your teachers? Teachers, stand up. Where are they all hiding? Well, they're all hiding in the back. Where's our principal? There he is. Uh, how would you honor them? We could sing a song or clap, but if they're not interested in that, they'd be embarrassed. Best thing you can do is always listen to them, pay attention to them, and in whatever they have you do, always show honor and respect, even if you don't like it. So there. Okay, teachers, that's easy. And now Jesus throws in Leviticus. Literally, continue to be loving your neighbor just as you do for yourself. Continue to be loving. The Greek word is agape, which is totally unselfish love that's constantly flowing from you to the other. He says that's to be done at all times to all people. But that's the problem with this man. Who is his neighbor? In point of fact, the only person that ever does love his neighbor constantly at all times is Christ Jesus himself. This young man does not. But he thinks, he says, I have kept all these, literally as Luke says, from my youth, from the time I had my bar mitzvah, when I became accountable to God and to other people. Maybe I was a little bit of a squirt kind of a mean kid up to that point, but after age 12, I just bucked up and became a, a good little boy. He's thinking he still has made it based on what he has been doing. The key word here is perfect. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, be therefore perfect. How? As your Father in heaven is perfect. So obviously he's not talking about any kind of earthly perfection, but the kind that has to pass muster before the throne of heaven. Be perfect. Give to the poor. Then come follow me. The last thing that this young man is supposed to do, although he claims to have done everything else, is now he is supposed to actually sell his possessions, all of it. Wait a minute, he worked for all that stuff. He's a good worker. Why should he get rid of his possessions? They're his. 
and then squander them by giving them to the poor. Technical term, the patokhoi. These are the complete lazy good-for-nothings. These are the ones that wouldn't want a job. These are the people who only work hard at avoiding a job. They cheat, they steal, they pickpocket, and even when they get something, they blow it on stupid things. That's this term, the poor. How could a responsible person take all that he's got and give it to those people? That doesn't make any sense. But Jesus is describing something this young man doesn't understand at all. It's the notion of gracious mercy. Who do we think we are anyway? We're those useless poor. We are the ptochoi. And yet what does God our Heavenly Father do for us? Day after day, he continues to take care of us, causes his sun to shine on the good as well as the evil. He continues to watch over us, and most of all, he gives his son, who seems to be wasted on a cross for the sins of a world that doesn't care. That's how he displays his love. If this young man would actually out of mercy and grace even attempt to do this thing, he would then be able to do the final thing, which is to come and to joyfully follow Jesus. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, I had a, a certain acolyte who joyfully followed me as I was skipping around in church. That's the picture of Christian life. He is listening, though. Okay, I'm sorry I brought up that example. <laughs> you want to do the good things because you are joyfully following Christ Jesus. It's an expression of your love in return. It's thanksgiving back to him. There's no way that keeping the law is going to justify you. Did you notice what Isaiah said about all of our righteous deeds? They're like filthy rags. And James, who says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet just stumbles at one small point has become guilty of it all. The law can't save us. We don't do the law in order to save ourselves. Jesus saves in his love, grace, and mercy. And as a response, then, we do want to joyfully follow him. Hopefully this sounds clear to you, although the Twelve Apostles seem to be completely confused about the whole business because they had learned from childhood that good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. So what's Jesus talking about here? They say, who then can be saved? Who has the ability to be saved? Their intended answer to the question is, Jesus, do you mean nobody can be saved? Yes, that's right. If you're going to save yourself. With man, this is impossible. But notice, with God, all things are possible. Especially in Jesus, who is 
true God and true man who gives his life on the cross for the sins of the world and yours and mine. Therefore, in the middle of Lent, from this seemingly sad story, rejoice. The very Son of God loves you, has paid the payment for all sin, and he has become your perfection, your righteousness, your life. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.